Hello, everyone, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori. I'm Anna Retberg. And today we are doing, well, you know what? I'm going to let Anna introduce this one. I feel like, okay, so first of all, the movie is... That was as much as I, I, you see how enthusiastic I tried to be? And as soon as it got to me thinking back about which movie we watched, it just, I completely deflated. Wow. See, I feel like this is going to be a similar thing, like, to some of the previous movies we've watched. Well, the movie is The Thin Red Line, directed by Terrence Malick. Yep. I figured you wouldn't like it, and I would like it, because it's coming down on, on sort of like... The Casiana split a little bit. Where uh, for, maybe for me, this I like. I like this movie a lot. Really? Yes. Okay. For me, it was hitting on a few things that I really like about movies. Okay. First of all, the spectacle of it um, was very impressive. All right. The scale of it was very impressive. Okay. Um, you mean you very, just like the fact that there's like it was all it was a lot of like different places, a lot of like you know sort of big you know explosions. Well, and it was and, all real. I mean, they're they're you know they had a bunch of airplanes and landing craft and ships and right. practical effects like real explosives. Okay. And, and it, it it to me that gave it this really epic kind of immersive feel. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I always like. I like that about... I like movies that feel that way. Okay. Um, that feel like spectacles. Like big, large-scale spectacles. I like World War II movies. I like war movies in general. I like World War II movies. So that also, you know, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I enjoyed the perspective of this movie. I enjoyed the perspective that it was taking the sort of... It's sort of something that we've talked about before, like when we watched 1917, for example. There's this sort of idea of of trying to contrast beauty, sort of like natural beauty, with the violence of war. And uh, they did the, they tried to do this like a little bit in 1917. Um, okay. With the like at the end he's you know he's like sitting in the field and whatever and uh, and then there was the scene with the singing which you obviously didn't like i really liked in this movie the the sort of the way in which we sort of like sat in the place and and that it existed outside of just the battle you know we would cut to natural things like birds and animals and um it focused a lot on that and i i actually really enjoyed that kind of perspective for a war movie. Okay. I mean, so it's... I feel like that's kind of complicated, especially in this movie, because one of the central, like, inserted themes, I would call them, because the movie is not about them, but they're, like, overlaid with text, I assume because they existed in the novel. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't read the book on which this is based. I'd never even heard of the book on which this is based, so... You know, I I don't know if it was a popular book or not. It was a book that Terrence Malick obviously was interested in, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like one of the themes was that like it's just like like almost war is natural but confusing. Like, you know, there's sort of this overt idea that like, you know, animals kill each other and so do we. And but why? Right. And the. I'm not going to call them the main character because I wouldn't really say there is a main character in this, but the person who we start and end the story with, sort of, he's the person who, like, we first meet and who first gets a voiceover 
uh, at the outset of the story. Mm-hmm. And then he's the one who sort of has the most dramatic finish in a way, right? He has to kind of save his uh, company, battalion, platoon. I don't know what's company, <laughs> regiment. Guess, yeah. his, it was a subsection of, of, of the company. So it's not the company, but, you know, whatever that that patrol was himself, basically. Uh, and he dies doing so. You know, he explicitly says these things. That's that's sort of like the framing of the, you know, of the of the movie. I I didn't dislike it, meaning I thought that was an okay thing to be talking about in a movie about war because it's interesting. I didn't think the movie really had anything to do with that. And I also thought it was weird because I'll give you an uncharitable and a charitable interpretation. I don't really come down strongly on either side of it, but the uncharitable interpretation is that it undermines that by showing nature being peaceful most of the time. And I felt like that was kind of weird because if the idea that you were trying to set up was that like, you know, war is just a natural part of things, but it's unclear why, you would be showing animals, you know, doing something violent to each other now and again in the movie. But they never did that. They always showed an animal just being placid, right? Um, no, not not entirely. There's uh, almost I I can't think of one. There may have been like one, but there's, it was well, almost there's, entirely. There's one shot in of a like of a newly hatched chick that's sort of like been caught up in this battle, and it's sort of like crawling weakly uh, towards its death. Probably there's also but that's us. That was us who did the violence. There's thing. also well, and then there's also the scene with the dogs. Two dogs eating the dead bodies. Again, th- that's us, right? In other, in other words, the n- there wasn't a scene of like you know a a tiger you know taking down a you know a, a a wildebeest or something like this, right? So it was confusing a little bit in the uncharitable interpretation. The charitable interpretation, which I like more, but still don't really care about. Um, because I feel like the movie set it up one way, but then showed it the other way. And I don't feel like that's very good. Like I didn't like it, but if I want to be more charitable, if they hadn't, for example, said anything, they hadn't put the voiceovers in. So I was just to look at the movie without things they were like telling me, I could have taken it much better way. I think. And that is that like the animals are just doing what we do. So, In other words, if you think about what happens on like a nature program when a tiger does kill a wildebeest, I'm using that example because I don't know anything about nature, but, you know, something that kills another thing or the two things that fight, right? Two lions fighting for control of the pride might be something, right? We just kind of sit there and watch while that's happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just sit and we watch a television and we watch two animals fight and that's what we do. And all of the animals that kind of were shown in this, that's what they were doing. Like, we were having a war in the jungle, and the animals just kind of stood on the sidelines and looked at it, right? Yeah. And so, to me, that was kind of interesting if I imagined a different movie where they hadn't spoiled that interpretation for me early by pre-talking about a thing that would imply something else about those shots. So, I wasn't 100% thumbs down on it i just felt like the movie was kind of ham-fisted in its use so it made it so i couldn't enjoy it as much see for for me i feel like the use of the nature kind of like focusing so much on the natural 
world around them. To me, it felt like it was it was from the soldier's perspective. I mean, the whole movie is very much like a soldier's perspective kind of movie, right? Um, of like the you know the thi- like the the things of 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 beauty, I guess that you would see, and also sort of the indifference of nature towards what you're going through. That's sort of what I was talking yeah, about yeah. in the in the charitable yeah, interpretation. Yeah. It's and, like well, nature's just watching, which is what we would and, yeah, do and too. That's, and that's sort of how that's definitely how I was taking it. Where it's just it's beautiful, and it's completely separate from what you're experiencing, and it's indifferent to what you're experiencing, but it's beautiful. And I, I don't know. I for me that just really worked because it mm. it felt so like the contrast between that and the fighting. And it felt it felt so real, too, because it felt like, yes, like if you were in this place, it's a beautiful place, right? If you were a soldier there, there are moments like you would have where you would suddenly kind of like realize the place you're in is beautiful, right? You would see these animals just existing and behaving and you would you'd have like a moment where you kind of realize like what an amazing place this is. And then, you you know, suddenly you're back to the reason you're there, right? Um, for me, that feeling, that sort of contrast was, like, pretty powerful, I guess. Like, it really hmm. worked for me. Okay. For whatever reason. I also feel like part of it, too, is, like, there's a bit of a romanticization of nature that the character's doing, especially that um, the main guy, this, not, he's not, as you say, there's no main character. But, like, I kind of liked how, so at the start of the movie, we meet our sort of, um, what's the actor's name? Which one? Jim Caviezel or whatever, the guy uh, he's playing the the sort of main... Okay. We'll call him the main character, even though he's... There's I no, have no idea who that guy is. I think the actor is, like, Jim Jim Caviezel. I think that's his name. Um, I've sort of vaguely heard that the, name I've, before. I, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, actually. But um, I don't know who... I, I, I he's didn't famous. know who... He's I didn't recognize him, let's put that I way. did. Um, anyway, he start, it starts out with him on this island with these, you know, sort of primitive native people. And... It very much sort of glamorizes or he's I, I think he's he's in that moment. He's experiencing the simplicity of their life and he's viewing it in, through a very sort of idealized lens. Like this is so serene and peaceful and and close to nature and and simple. Right. And he, you know, in the situation he's in, that is like extremely appealing. Um, but I also liked toward the very end of the movie, like really just a scene or two, I think, before he dies. Uh, we see once again a group of sort of like native people, and it focuses so much more on the darkness because he's suddenly seeing it and he wasn't before. We see them fighting with each other. Uh, we see the skulls on their on their mantelpiece. Um, and there's like a a, a little uh, and, and child, a child covered with, sores, with flies and like these sores all over his. Yeah. Body. And like I thought that was really well done. Um, because it just shows sort of like the shifting perspective of our of that character, how he's losing he's losing his ability to see the beauty and he's beginning to see the darkness, right? Yeah, I don't know about that either. Like, I agree that's presumably what was supposed to be happening, but I felt like that scene didn't work either. The main reason I felt like that scene didn't work was just because like it there was too much in it. So, for example, if he if if it had just been I'm looking at, you know, an indigenous village of some kind who doesn't care about this conflict because they don't even know who these people are who are like fighting over this island 
who don't even seem to care about them. Like they're not even trying to get they're not even trying to kill the indigenous people. They don't even care. The indigenous people. They're just trying to kill each other. In the first instance, he's like integrated in and he's like chatting with the woman and the woman is like friendly to the army. She says the reason she's not scared of them is because he is in the army. No, I think she, I thought she said she was scared. He asked if she was scared of him and she said yes. No, she said no. The kid is scared of him and she's not. I thought she said she was also scared of him. Okay. Either way. Yeah. I, like, I, I was pretty sure she said no. And okay. she didn't seem scared at all. No, she wasn't acting scared. I'm pretty sure she said no. Okay. I'm not scared of you. And he said, why not? And she said, because you look like ARMY. Oh, that's what she said. Okay. We, I, it was a little hard to hear, I guess, because I, I kind of, I thought she said the opposite. I thought she said right, she was All right. Well, either way, it doesn't really matter for what I'm saying. But yeah, it doesn't matter. Point being, um, they're talking and no one's like running away or anything. Yeah. They're just hanging out, right? So whether they're scared of him or not, they're obviously not that scared of him because they're just standing there uh, and they're not afraid of him mm-hmm. in any like obvious way. And, uh, you know, in the, at the end, he tries to greet someone and they back away because they are scared Mm -hmm. right and so comparing and contrasting those two things it's like it doesn't look like it's just trying to be a good way of showing like oh he's seeing things differently it's suggesting no no he's different he's different yeah like he's actually bad now in a way that he wasn't before well, like he, they're looking at I, him like i don't, like, know that I don't... Say he's bad but he is he's scarier than he was and so you know looking at it that way i'm like really like i mean they just kind of like like why like it, it didn't make a lot of sense honestly really um, because he's not scarier, really. He doesn't seem scarier. Um, but there is there's sort of like a loss of innocence thing that has happened, right? Not really. Uh, not which I didn't feel that from the character at all. He even has a conversation with Sean Penn where he sounds like the same guy saying the same stuff. And then, you know, when guess, he looks at the village, the things he sees are different than the things he sees before. So it's not like he sees the same things or reacts differently. He sees different things, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like it was very well done. I agree with you. I mm-hmm. think I can sort of see what they probably were doing there, but I didn't feel like it came off. For me, it didn't come off very well I think part of it, too, for me, is like, I, wasn't, I wasn't necessarily looking at it as... Because it's not really focused on any single individual character. It's really about a group of men... Not an individual. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, you could say that that guy is sort of a main char- the main character, but he's really not. Um, no, there's and I lots feel like of yeah. because of that. I I looked. I, I was looking at them as sort of a group, mm-hmm. and the things that the story that the film was sort of talking about were not applying to necessarily like one individual. Um, I, I was just coming away with this overall feeling about the situation and not so much like this is a reflection of the experience of an individual character, right? Yeah. Um, because I agree. It's like the, that guy didn't actually change that much throughout, um, but none of them outwardly changed a lot in their in their ways of dealing with things outwardly, right? They They... And and I actually think that's kind of one of the reasons I liked the philosophical voiceover thing, um, 
because it kind of allowed the characters to express internal thoughts that they would never have expressed. I, I mean, the best example, I think, is the um, the higher up guy. I, I, I can't remember what his position was. Higher up in what sense? Um, that he was he was commanding the Nick Nolte, the older guy. Yeah, that was Nick Nolte. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the guy was screaming all the time. Yeah. Everyone like, in this movie is a famous yeah, actor. It, oh man, the cast in this John, is... John Cusack, Nick Nolte, um, they've got John C. Riley, Sean Penn, uh, Sean Penn, uh, what, uh, John Travolta, John, uh, George Clooney makes George a cameo. George Clooney, every, cameo. you thought by the end of the movie, you I thought know. you were done with the famous actors showing up, and then George Clooney shows up. No, the cast so is like, insane. They never, uh, probably because Terrence Malick had like hype going into making this. Apparently, this was the first um, movie he'd made in 20 years. So I'm just assuming that like everyone who was asked said yes. Yeah. So the casting director basically just like, yeah. who are all the famous leading men? Yeah. And like, you know, Harrison Ford was busy that week, but every Everyone else said yes or something, right? So, so that Nick Nolte, I guess, is the actor. I don't know. Nick I, Nolte, I, reckon, I recognize his name. I would the guy who's upset that he's been passed over. He's one under yes, John yes, Travolta. Yes. That's Nick Nolte. I feel like the voiceover contrasted with his outward behavior is so fascinating for that character, where he's kind of more quiet and philosophical and self-aware inside. Like he knows that he has to kind of like become this monster of a person. Um, yeah, I'm 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 the polar opposite with you on that. Oh, one. really? I really liked that. I liked the the contrast there of like I liked the contrast there, but I thought it was better established by the conversation between him and John Travolta and the I thought the voiceover was really like blatant and kind of gross. It is. Honestly. I mean, I think the the voiceover it made me it reminded me of like in comics when they have the the bubble like the sort of voiceover bubbles. Um, it reminded me of a freaking video games, what it reminded me yeah. of. It was like, it was, it felt like playing Horizon Forbidden West. It was like, I knew what I was supposed to think about this character, but then it goes, hey, I'm the guy who does this thing, right? It's like, it's like in Forbidden West where they tell you like, I should look for a way to get up that ledge. Maybe. It I, was really blatant. I don't know. And I, I mean, I strongly disliked the I voiceover think- in this film entirely i would say at the end of the day i i kind of agree that the movie probably is just better without the voiceover but i don't hate it like it's not the end of the world because it's they're just sort of philosophical musings they're not well the things they're saying are really not about what's happening in any direct way they're really just the internal thoughts of a person uh, but 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 it's just sloppy and it slaps you in the face like there's no yeah it's it's a they bit had heavy no handed. way they had no way to transition so you'd just be in a scene where two people are talking and then there'd be like a cut and the person would be walking away from the conversation and it would just come in it, it, well I, there was I, even so, like a really interesting one where it was really short I think right there was a it was a one character had just killed his fir- the first person he'd ever killed yeah and he's like freaking out. But he's sort of trying to act as though he's done something awesome, right? Right. And there's just like the brief voiceover thing of like, I killed a man, or I, I don't remember exactly no, what I said. It's terrible. It's, yeah. it's so terrible. And, and to me, you know, I can't even really give you an opinion of this film that would have been, is this film good or bad without the voiceover? Because that's how unpleasant I found the voiceover that it's possible I would have liked this film or at least not disliked it as strongly. Like I would have been like, Oh, that's all right. Um, if they just removed it, I I really found it incredibly, uh, sloppy and 
it ruined any scene that it was in with the maybe small exception of ones where there's a couple of times where they're kind of just going on a montage. And in those scenes, it's not as bad because it's not really interrupting anything. It, it was at least in between two sort of segments. So I still didn't like it, but it was at least not like as uh, sort of ham-fisted and gross, which I thought it was most of the time. I, I think it, it bothered you a lot more than it bothered yeah. me. I, I don't think I, I don't think I loved it. Like, I didn't love it. Uh, but it, it, you know, it didn't bother me. But, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull us off. I'm just going to pull us onto a different track real quick. Well, we were done with that, I think. Yeah, I, I think, mean, there's I not think... much to say about it. I mean, we can talk about individual sections yeah, of voiceover, but, but that's the voiceover is what it is. And, you know, totally. We just so said what we think of it. I, there's actually quite a bit about this movie that reminded me of Gallipoli. Um, I, I actually had that same because, thought. Uh, uh, same it, thought. It was, it was, there was a few things that they were trying to do very similarly. They're focusing on the soldier's experience. In war, the sort of both both are focusing on a battle that was absolutely horrific. Both are sort of talking a lot about, or, or at least focusing more on the experiences of soldiers who have not been in one right. of those. Battles, it's sort of like right? the, the loss of innocence yes. kind of idea, um, or or that's that's probably too simple a way to put it. But the the sort of what happens to a person when they experience these things for the first time. Um, and the thing that made me think the most, like, so the Jim Caviezel character basically gets the same ending as the character, the main character in Gallipoli. So at the end of Gallipoli, there's that, like, awful freeze frame. Yeah. In this movie, I feel like it did a very similar feeling kind of cut, but it was so much more skillfully done. Um, when he dies, it's it was almost doing the exact same kind of death for a character it was meant to feel very simple like the same kind of way right and it's so much more like smoothly tightly kind of edited and done like it was i really really liked it and it was it, to you're me, talking about the, the the cut to him raising his gun and getting shot yes okay it's and then it immediately cuts to like a shot of like a a tree um and i i was just like that works so much better than the shot in gallipoli and it's it's like because in Gallipoli, he's trying to do that same effect, I think. That same, like, abruptness. That sort of idea of the life ending like that. But for me, in this movie, Maybe, it was yeah. so much more skillfully edited. The filmmaking in this movie is really, really excellent. I really like Terrence Malick as a director. I thought it was okay. I wouldn't say excellent. Um, I didn't love the look of the movie. I didn't like the color balance much. And... I felt like there weren't that many interesting shots. Hmm. I feel like the subject matter choices were interesting. Like you said, when do we choose to cut to nature, showing the tree, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, How do we intercut things? Also not bad. Actual shot framing, fairly uninteresting most of the time to me. I didn't feel like I came away with a lot of great imagery from this film, honestly, Hmm. in the compositional sense, right? Um, Contrasting it to what we haven't seen, which is Days of Heaven, I do think Days of Heaven looked really good in a lot of places. Didn't care for the film, but I I felt a stronger shot composition sense and and more of a sense about what looks good in a frame. In this one, it felt kind of just muddy to me. I didn't Hmm. didn't get a lot of strong frames from this movie. 
especially, you know, coming off the back of something like Into the Mood for Love, where every shot is like a masterpiece painting. This one, I'd say, was just like, yep, the camera's pointed at something. That was about as far as it went for me. I, I never got a like, wow, that was a great frame or anything. I mean, I guess uh, maybe if you're talking just specifically about like shot compositions, yeah, it's maybe not. There's not like a ton of really, really striking imagery. But I'm just talking about like overall filmmaking. I I really like I think maybe it's the editing. It's the shot choices. Um, the pacing. I, I found this movie to be like extremely immersive. I was I was like very immersed for the vast majority of this film. It's like the choices of what to shoot, especially when cutting to all the natural things around. It took its time to really let you experience this place in a way that I found just really satisfying because I feel like war movies norm- normally are focusing a lot on just like the action and the the you know, here's the next sequence of events and things. Um, and this movie just was quieter for like it had obviously it's very intense moments of of war, cacophony, and, yeah. Um, but it balanced those with these really like beautiful, quiet, peaceful moments. And I don't know, that just really worked for me. The sort of the contrast. There was so much contrast in this movie. I think of sort of like cacophony to stillness and and beauty. I also think his directing of battle scenes was really good. Uh, really, there was some really cool stuff that happened like overall i feel like the the way in which he shot the action the camera movements were really dynamic he got the camera down in there in the grass with them um there's there's a really cool shot that i really enjoyed it was a little longer where the guys are sneaking up there's like seven guys who sneak up to try to knock out the bunker on on the top of the hill and uh they're kind of crawling through the grass and the camera kind of starts higher more wide and it kind of like moves down with them like in the grass it was just there's some really really great camera work i feel like this it it was that immersive kind of feeling it it was there with these guys following them i just thought it was really skillfully done i would say i thought some of it was and some of it wasn't uh i would agree that that some of the so the directing of the action in any particular shot I thought was well done. I feel like you had a lot of scenes where there were many people doing things um, that created this nice field of effect where you had like people moving in the background and people moving in the foreground. Uh, in particular, there were scenes like at various camps that, again, feel very different from a modern film where kind of everything is a blue screen and, or green screen, I should say, and CG and you know, or Disney shooting in the volume and all this crap where there's nothing happening in the background. These had that feeling of like, oh, there's this whole army is here and there's people doing stuff off camera and there's people talking over here and there's people carrying a stretcher over there. That all was very well done. And, you know, that's a huge accomplishment because you actually had to plan where everyone's going to be and tell them all to do stuff and all these other things, right? So I liked that aspect of it. I did feel like you know, they, I, I never felt like I was watching something fake. I always felt like I was watching an actual set of people yeah. doing an actual set of things. Well, I think this is why it felt so know? immersive to me. Exactly. And and so it never really breaks that illusion because I never had a point where I was like, well, there's the fake part. It's like, nope, it always, they, they can I know? just Can I just say, to add to that, the only thing that sometimes pulled me out of it, which is the same thing I mentioned in 1917, is seeing famous people. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- that was the thing we love so much <clears throat> about 1917 is the casting for the main guys of these unknown guys. Yeah, you didn't like and when then, Benedict Cumberbatch... And then when you see, yeah. like, uh, Mark Strong or Benedict Cumberbatch, it kind of, like, pulls you out of it. And right. this movie had a little bit of that going when it was, like, you know, Sean Penn or when George Clooney appears. And it just, like, pulls you out of it. Cause or for me, John Cusack. Because John he Cusack, wasn't, he John wasn't really introduced. John Travolta, yeah. too. Like, these guys would just pop up. And yeah. it, all you'd be thinking is, like, hey, it's that guy. And, like, to to me, that's... For soldiers, for a movie about soldiers, uh, I want to see, like, unknowns. I want to see the everyman, you know. Yeah. That that just, anyway. No, I get it. I get it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess I would just say, yeah, uh, that aside. Uh, right. You know, the other thing we have to remember, though, I guess, there is that some of that wouldn't have been true. That's true. John These, Travolta, yeah. sure. John Cusack, sure. George Clooney. Some of these guys, not so much. Even George Clooney wouldn't have been as famous, but uh, like John C. Riley, probably not super famous by 2000. You might have snuck some of these guys by. Um, but yeah, nowadays, all of these people you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, doesn't doesn't matter. There's not much they can do about that, I guess, no, no. except and, insist that, and, that nobody of, with any note is in the movie. And to be honest, <laughs> it wasn't as bad as seeing Benedict Cumberbatch in 1917 was for me. I think these guys, they were all younger. Um, well, also, they the, were, that was like the, it was like isolated in 1917. Uh, so it, it was more of a shock. Here, yeah, here you were seeing famous people yeah, all the time, yeah. right? You just kind of accept like, okay, this is a movie with a lot of famous people in it. Yeah. Uh, and you move on. And and they're, you know, they're younger than you're used to seeing them now. Yeah. So they look a little different. The the roles they're playing, and, you know, so especially somebody like John C. Riley is almost recogni- unrecognizable in this movie because he's playing such a different character to who we're kind of used to seeing him play now. Um, and really, I mean, I think the acting in, in this movie is really good. Uh, you know, even like the extras, I was thinking about the, you know, the people playing the Japanese soldiers. Uh, just the the intensity of those performances of the extras, like really good. Uh, you feel like you're completely there. Like the, it's just like you know, it was really impressive to me. So, onto the flip side part, sure. Because I was saying that what I thought was the positive side. I'll say what I think the negative side is. I thought there were a bunch of problems with scene complexity, where there was like, all right. I don't really know, like, what direction things are supposed to be going in or why these people knew certain things. That part didn't work very well. So to contrast it with something where this worked very well, um, I would say that uh, the Stanley Kubrick film, Paths of Glory, Mm -hmm. that we watched on Movie Club, also Cacophony of War... Horrors of war, kind of well, a film. Well, and similar, similar thing. We have a, a situation where uh, trying to take a position, and and uh, you know, a ref- an officer refuses to follow an order. All this sort of stuff is happening. I never was confused about where they were going, when they were going there, why it was difficult to take the position, et cetera, et cetera. In this movie, even after watching the entire film, I have. Absolutely no. If you ask me to draw a diagram of what happened in this movie, I have no idea. Hmm. None. I have no idea where the rocks were that they used to approach the position at when they finally take that hill. I have no idea where those were. I don't know which side of the hill those were on. I don't know 
I don't even know where the encampments are on that hill because sometimes you see them and sometimes you don't. And there was no establishing like motion or setup for me to know what was going on. So so what I got out of those scenes was sometimes we run forward and everyone dies and sometimes we run forward and we get up the hill and succeed. There was no I, – I was completely lost. And to me, like – you know, again, charitable and uncharitable. The charitable interpretation is like, well, maybe that's what it feels like. I was say, that's maybe that's the experience of the soldier. But it's not yeah. because they knew to do these things. Like, yeah. so so I'm not having the experience the soldiers are having because they clearly understood. Like, the guy who decides not to go forward understands that he can't go forward. And they also understood that they could go around they this other flank, side. Yeah. How did they know that? And I don't. And to me, the reason they know that and I don't is because the filmmaking wasn't very good. It didn't properly shoot from the right positions to let me know not just the geography of the situation, which I think is important for me to know, but more importantly, how the soldiers knew the geography of the situation. Because that's what I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be in their shoes. How did they figure this out or not figure it out, for the, as the case may be? If they never figured out how to take that hill, then maybe it would be fine to not know the geography because it's like, yeah, they didn't know. They couldn't figure it out. We never took that hill because we couldn't figure out where the shots were coming from. Great. That's not what happens in this movie, right? What happens in this movie is they're very clear on it. It was just the order that was bad. They seem to have known the entire time they should go around the other side. How do they know that? What is the other side, right? I don't even know where the other side was. So to me, I really strongly disliked that entire sequence because I felt like it didn't make any congruent sense. And if it had just been a scene about not making sense, I would forgive that because I'm like, well, maybe that was the goal. But that obviously wasn't the goal because we come out of it expecting to have this very strong understanding of this sequence of events that happened that allowed them to do something. And so I thought that whole thing sucked. Honestly, hmm. I really strongly disliked it. I guess for me, I I agree with you. Like, I noticed that during while it was happening. Obviously, I was like, yeah, we don't really have a great sense of where the, you know, how how exactly this like is laid out and what we're trying to do. It just didn't bother me as much as you because yeah. I'm just like, well, we know the basic idea. They're trying to take this hill. They're being thrown at it in a direction that isn't working and they have to kind of sneak around and flank it. Like the basics of the situation made sense. And so while I agree it wasn't visually. They were told, um, but they didn't make sense. Visually, visually it wasn't the clearest, um, but I, I wasn't confused or something, I think. I was just, you know, for me, just the, the I guess the immersiveness of like, being in the grass with the men was was enough to make me not mind so much that I was like, yeah, maybe I don't completely understand, like, what our tactical plan is here. But I think it's more than that, right? At least to me. It felt wrong and incongruous because of this. So, in other words, I think it actually broke the immersion quite a bit for me because I'm like, we're showing people running in all different directions. I don't know where we're actually going like it's the it was it's kind of the anti Spielberg like in his shots I always know what the hell is happening so I'm always immersed because my brain's never going wait where is this and stuff like that right so it's it's not just like oh I need to know the geography of this thing it's that if if the geography appears wrong meaning if it looks like wait you're got that guy's running this way but that guy was running this way how did they end up the same place or wait are they in the same place and then 
not ever having those things yeah. resolved, it's more than just, oh, it was a little confusing. It's like it's distracting. It's it's hurting the film because I'm thinking about stuff that I shouldn't have to think about. I should be paying attention to the soldiers and what they're doing, not going, wait, okay, that guy just shot. Wait, he's shooting. Aren't there people in front of him? Like, is he shooting towards his own guys or is he shooting away from them? Like, there's stuff like that throughout the no, whole no, totally. thing. And it's just I, like, what is happening I, I, here? Totally. There's two situations I can think of where I had that feeling. One is... Uh, with the scene where the guy, the one guy shoots, um, he sees some Japanese soldiers like carrying a, a guy on a... Running you know, up the hill yeah, from well, where from where it no, looked no, like run, our soldiers well, were at the time. I, I'm like, what? So actually, because that was like, that was the scene where he was like, oh, my first kill yeah. or whatever. I actually thought like, oh, is he firing on his own men? Like, I had that thought. I'm like, oh, maybe this is like him doing friendly fire uh, because it was unclear. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, and then, and then the second scene where I definitely felt that was... After, when they go up, they flank up at the top. You have this moment where they're like pinned behind the rocks, right? And yeah. it seems like they're done for. And then like suddenly they've completely taken over the Japanese camp. And I was unclear. I'm like, did they manage to do that? Well, there's also a shot in that one that's completely, I have no idea what happened. There's a time when they come up and they they go, There's a there's a machine gun bunker. And they come from behind it and throw a grenade into it. I had no idea if that was one of the bunkers that was facing them shooting at them, because we've seen that kind of bunker shooting at them, or whether they had made it over the top and were throwing it into one that was facing the other yeah, I think, way. I think my guess right? was that they had sort of come from the back slash sure. side. They had flanked and come back around. But I was just like... But I don't know. I have well, no and, idea. And the thing I didn't understand was, they like, how did these seven guys go from being completely pinned to suddenly having the drop? I have the no drop? idea. And I was like, oh, maybe the reinforcements showed up. They did but, not. But they did not. He so anyway, blown the whistle yet. I... Uh, I like definitely agree. Like that scene was, in- I like the intensity of the way it was filmed. Right, um, the things that worked about it that came through were definitely like you felt the what what the men were experiencing. Right, so I think you were there with them, and also when they started getting the you know when they actually succeeded, it was pretty exciting. Yes. But um, it was like it, it it was really good in some ways, but in that coherence, sort of like spatial coherence like what exactly is happening it was not very good i felt like it had so the reason that this is why i say like i think some of the filmmaking good some of the filmmaking bad so i feel like there's the same problem with terrence malick's action direction as for example uh we see with christopher nolan yes where it's like he knows what's happening in this action scene because he either wrote it a lot of the times or read the script he has the screenplay right Mm -hmm. um and the problem is that it seems like both filmmakers lack an understanding of what the audience actually knows about the geometry of the scene yeah so in the same way that we have people going in the wrong direction or cuts between two different directions of motion uh, in a Christopher Nolan film that makes it very hard to follow really where things are in his action sequences. I felt the same thing was true of Terrence Malick. No individual shot is bad. They all look good when you watch them, and the action is clear in the shot. Right, right. I know that this guy, which is different than like a Marvel movie where you just see close-ups of people punching until you don't even know what happened. Like, oh, did that guy punch that? What happened? It's not that. Right. Any individual scene in these Terrence Malick 
in, in this film, really in any Terrence Malick film I've seen. So in general, it just seems like he's fine with it. The shot makes sense. This guy came up over the thing. He threw a grenade into this bunker and exploded. That's the shot. Very clear. Yeah. How that shot connects to any other shot in the sequence, no idea. Yeah, and it's specifically action because I think the editing in other parts of the movie is very good. Like, I, as I mentioned before, I love the the sort of balance of cutting, when to cut to natural scenes and when, like, I think all of that is really, really well done. It's this, It's specifically during, like, intense sort of action that I think it starts to become a little bit confusing. And I, I do think that's probably just a skill... Um, some directors obviously have, yeah. like a Spielberg. Uh, <clears throat> Spielberg is the touch point of like he's almost like the the master of this. Like I, I've never seen anyone yeah. who never screws up. Like you can't find a Spielberg film where even a child can follow the action. Yeah, precisely. I mean Spiel- Spielberg is the master, of, master like, of, of of making sure you understand what's going on and and still managing to have uh, keep really- all the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, his shot composition, I mean, we don't need to talk about Spielberg, yeah. but you know what I mean? Uh, he's not sacrificing anything to get there. Right. Um, so I think I think part of it is like, yeah, like that's a, that's not an easy task, especially on a movie like this where you're dealing with real locations, practical effects, tons of actors. Yeah. You're shooting outdoors, so you have to think about the lighting and yep. the weather and stuff. And all of that is really challenging. Sure. And so, you know, I can imagine... Part of the reason some of this happens is because the coverage you were able to get based on what the location you had actually was, how much time you had there, how much light you had there, when you had your actors. Like, I think sometimes with movies, those things can contribute to uh, why action doesn't quite come together because there's so many other things that can make it difficult. There are some times in the movie where it did work. Yeah. And so, for example, the beach landing yeah. makes perfect sense. We see the people on the boats. They get the, – well, they're on the big boats. They get in the little boats. They sail to the shore. They take the beach thinking there's going to be people. There's no one there. They meet some new people. And it, and the whole thing, it was clear. Like yes. I was like, okay, I understand everything that happened in there. Um. So it does seem like maybe it's a case of like, hey, when there was lots of explosions and practical effects going on, maybe we didn't plan it as carefully as we had to. I'm also, or maybe there yeah. were some situations where it didn't go as we planned. I'm also assuming that like the locations were actually different. The location where the bunker was was different from the location where they yeah. were shooting them going up the hill. Possibly. And and so because of that, you know, as a viewer, you're like looking for those rocks like you talked about, but you don't see them because in the faraway shots where they're taking the hill, that's actually a different hill. Could be. Um, and some of that is beyond the filmmaker's ability to control. I mean, if you have the budget to have an entire like naval fleet for your beach landing, you can put a freaking rock on a hill. Yeah. I mean, well, and also I'm sure there's also things where it's like what you planned turned out differently than what actually yeah, yeah. when you came showed up on the day no that's why i said it could it could yeah. be that this was not their first choice because it could be that that yeah. action sequence is not the way he would have preferred to have cut it i'm totally going to believe that either way i'm just saying the end result of watching it is i didn't feel like it was particularly strong filmmaking because of those things it was like there are positives to it it wasn't a mess it wasn't like oh it just horribly mm-hmm. it was and like it no wasn't. it was good strong shots yeah. but they didn't come together properly and i think the emotion was there too it was it was Mm -hmm. thrilling it was exciting it was scary it was intense it it was definitely working uh in in a lot of ways yeah so 
I don't know. I think uh, still just impressed by the scale of the movie because there's a lot of, you know, the difficulty level goes way up with all of those different factors you have to think about. It's long, too. I think it's it's like two and a half so hours. So it's, it's it's a it's a lot of stuff. You know, you had to, there was a lot of filming. Um, it wasn't an hour and a half, right? So yeah. Um, I would say I had some similar problems with some other parts of the movie. Uh, on sort of a bigger scale to them than that, there's like a bunch of scenes that sort of as they get towards. So so in that the first. It feels a little, little bit like Lawrence of Arabia. I, I hate to use the comparison because Lawrence of Arabia is a much better movie, but in that first half, second half kind of thing, where all of a sudden the movie just seems to run out of time to talk about whatever it's talking about, and so it feels completely different in a way that I don't necessarily love. Uh, this movie had the same problem. So the first part of the movie, yeah, there's an introductory sequence where we kind of jump around because we're like hanging out on the beach with the locals and then all of a sudden we're in the brig with Sean Penn and there's no explanation of how they got there like did a patrol land and come pick them up from that boat I guess I don't know um so there's a bit of a jump there but from that point basically all the way until they storm the top like uh, the, the, the Japanese yeah. um camp basically yeah is pretty continuous. Like, we we basically just have, like, a fairly solid flow of time where it's really kind of clear, like, where we are on the island and what we're doing the entire time. After that, I have no idea where, where anyone is or what they're doing. For the rest of the movie, they're in a house. I don't know where that house is. I don't know why there's a house. I don't know who built a house on this island. I have no idea how they got there. There's a guy in the middle of the field whose knee's been shot. Why is he there? Don't know. When was that? No idea. Why did the other guy happen upon him? Couldn't tell you. There's a part at the end where they're in the middle of a river and they're not, they think their position is exposed. And then the Japanese soldiers are in camouflage coming at them from another side. What's happening at that point? No idea. What are they trying to do? Don't know. Where did they come from? Also don't know. Where's the rest of their people? Don't know that either. So, for basically the part after they take the Japanese camp to the end of the movie, I thought the whole thing sucked. I was like, this is terrible. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know why these scenes are placed together. They don't seem to make sense with each other very much. And they don't really continue the story that we were seeing very well. Are they all kind of related? Well, they're related in the sense that we have the same people in them. And they're related in the sense that they are also sort of vaguely about war, but they just didn't feel connected in any way. It felt exactly like what I suspect it probably was, which is there's a big old novel with a bunch of stuff in it, and we picked these pieces and threw them in the movie. But I didn't feel like they were chosen judiciously, and I didn't feel like they went together very well, culminating in what I think is the very worst part of this film that I absolutely hated – which is the guy getting a letter that his wife wants to divorce him was just terrible. I didn't like the intercuts of him and his wife. They felt weird and out of place in this movie, especially because other people don't really have these flashbacks to their lives. And I didn't feel any particular connection to that guy either. I didn't really even know who he was. I felt like I knew the other characters a lot better than him. 
And then just having him read that letter at the end just felt so forced and thrown in there. I, that that whole thing sucked and was just another part of the end of the movie that just felt like bolted on to this movie in a way that doesn't help the movie, right? It's like, yes, that's another part of war is that you're away from your wife for a long time and some wives left their husbands. But this movie isn't really talking about that in any interesting or concrete way. And so just throwing things that do happen in war on top of a movie, to me, doesn't make a better movie. It it, it did not work. So, and a lot of that stuff happening at the end felt that way hmm. to me. It was just like crap tacked onto the movie that didn't really work with the movie. So That's really interesting. I didn't feel that way like I didn't I I when you were like oh the movie's split into two parts I'm like when like I didn't I didn't really feel that there was like a well you don't have this problem with Lawrence either I that's I true believe, that's right? true that's true so, um, so the pace abrupt pacing change is not a problem for Anna no Ripper. it is not a problem for me I don't think and I actually liked the the like I thought when he got the letter from his wife it was heartbreaking uh like I thought I it worked for me so I don't know I definitely didn't think it was terrible um, I guess I can sort of see what you're saying of like of there being a shift in sort of the pacing because you're right it's like very similar to Lawrence where it's like the first part is this like one continuous string of events and then there's like a bit of a time skip um, and then we come back and it's like we're jumping time a lot more and yeah. we're jumping location a lot more. Um, in Lawrence it's it's more forgivable though because it is literally two halves of a movie. There's an intermission in between them. Yeah. So it's almost like watching two acts of a play where we intentionally are doing something different in each one. Yeah. This is not that way. This just happens in the middle of the movie yeah. with no warning. I wouldn't say I felt like it was jarring, though. I just feel like it's like that's the part of the movie where you kind of – the soldiers start to actually experience the the loss, like the, the consequences of things. The, it's beginning to really wear them down. Um but I don't know. I mean, I do think it it's also a long movie. And at that point, you're also because you've lost that momentum right from the that the sort of first part where it's this there's a lot of momentum because it's the same sequence of events, basically. And now you're having to, like, start up that momentum again. And you've already been sitting there for like two hours or something. Well, I also think it breaks the immersion a lot for me. So, for example, uh, it, the like you said, the movie feels very immersive through the first half. Right. I mean, half is the wrong term here, but you know what I mean? It's the, the first majority part, of it, yeah. It's not half. It's probably more than half. So the first two thirds is probably more like it. So the movie feels very immersive. And in fact, like one of the things that happens in that immersive section, just very continuous all the way through up at the end, is one of the people is taking tooths, like teeth. Tooths? Uh, taking the tooths. <laughs> teeth? Individual tooths. <laughs> I don't want to use teeth because it sounds like you're taking all the teeth. Taking individual teeth. teeth. <laughs> Let's say it that way. <laughs> um, taking individual teeth out of Japanese soldiers, I, I think for the metal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like if there's gold in there or whatever, okay, right? Yeah. This was a thing soldiers did. It was in the Pacific, too, if I remember correctly. This movie in the Pacific obviously had a lot in common. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, so, and and like collecting them. Yeah, yeah. In the non-immersive part, there's just a random scene that randomly happens that shows the guy who took the teeth, I believe the bag that he has, yeah. you don't see it, but he's got like a bag with, I assume is the teeth in there, right? 
This is how I read that scene. He's basically having a panic attack. Yeah. Uh, and he like throws it away. Yeah. He's like, I don't want like 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 he's horrified at what he's done, or you know, I mean, you don't know exactly what he's thinking, but um, something something has changed that makes it so that he's not he was okay with doing that yeah. then, and he's not okay with. Like, it he's now. just realized how monstrous it is. Right. Yeah. Again, terrible. This is terrible filmmaking to me because I have not seen any scenes with that character between then and now. All the immersion is gone. Why did he have this realization? What has he gone through in between those two things that's turned his mind so that, you know, rather than just getting more savage in war, he's gotten less savage in war? Hmm. No explanation. He just has. Right. And to me, that's terrible. Do we need an explanation for that? I think we can understand that, can't we? We don't need an explanation for that because I can write one in. But if the movie's not going to show some things that are about realizing one's own savagery, then that's not an but interesting I mean, to scene me, for the that's, film. That's the scene. The scene is that we're watching a man realize his own savagery. That's the scene. That's no, what's we're, happening. No, we're seeing the it, the aftermath of having realized your own savagery. Those are two different scenes. But but I mean, I think the realizing your own savagery is an internal process. We are seeing him having that that conflict coming to a head inside him. That's what we're watching. We're watching the aftermath of that. We're watching after he has already decided he is savage and being upset about it. We are not watching him come to terms with his own savagery. We're watching the we're watching the scene after that happened. I'm just saying we uh, to me it was it it worked because this is we are seeing like everything that you need to know is sort of in that scene. Like you you know that he has collected these things off of the Japanese soldiers. You know that he is feeling horrible about it and that he's having, uh, you know, a crisis about it. And- no, you don't know how, what he's been feeling about it. We have not been watching this character in any way that lets us know how this has affected him. But can't you see that when you're watching him in the scene? No. What, what are you getting from, like, what do you, what, this reaction then is what? If, I'm, what I'm getting from the movie is... There is a time when he was fine taking teeth out of people, and there was a time when he was horrified about it, and no idea about what happened in between those two things. I mean, another way to say it would be, if you didn't think that was important, then a movie would just be the first five minutes and the last five minutes, and we'd leave out everything in between because by the argument that you're making, well, we could just fill in the rest. No. But it's like... Like, if you're going to show those two scenes... You have to show some things in between them to connect them and make it feel like it happened. Otherwise, it feels like it didn't happen. And I'm just getting the like, it feels like it just went from zero to 60 in a snap of a finger. Right. I just don't on this particular example. I don't I definitely don't feel that. Mm. I think because it's to me, it's like I can't imagine what you would see. Like, because that's not how people work. It's not like, it's not like you're like, oh, but then I saw this thing and I had a change of heart. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's an internal, it's an internal process. And I'm, I'm not sure how, uh, how, how do you show that in a way that's like not a little ridiculous? I don't know. But the way I would describe it is that in order for a story to be good and not, either just 
lousy, or mediocre. That's the job. The job of telling a story is to. That's why it's not. That's why you get paid. If the thing is just, hey, I'm going to write this story. A guy pulls some teeth, and I sit down. Once upon a time, some guy pulled some teeth out of a soldier. Time passed. He felt bad about it and threw them away. If that's your writing, you suck at it, right? Your job as a writer, the whole job of writing a screenplay, or any story for that matter, is figuring that out. It's figuring out how to do something inherently not quite real because we're selecting specific scenes and we're maybe creating scenes that are slightly not real, but that, that feel real, that bring what is happening inside someone outside so that someone else can understand it. But to That's me, what the job is. But to me, that is happening in that scene. It happened before that scene. I think it's happening at that. That's he's holding them in his hand. He still has them. He's having that crisis moment. That's what we're witnessing. But we don't get any actual emotional information from it because we haven't seen. You don't think you don't think the the visuals of this scene that watching this man have a breakdown is not information. No, it's telling me what I already know. Right. I don't need someone to tell me. That people could be horrified about their past actions. I already know that. Everyone knows that. The only people who wouldn't know that are children who maybe have never done anything in their life that they look back and feel bad about. Some things you may be mildly upset with yourself about. If you've never been to war, you may never have done anything truly horrible, so you may not be truly horrified about them. But everyone knows that humans can live to regret a decision that they've made. What a story is supposed to do is connect you to how and why. I don't need a movie to tell me that someone might regret taking the teeth out of a Japanese soldier. It's obvious that that might happen. But I think... think... I think the thing here for me is like I'm not looking I'm not really I mean we we know that you always you're looking way more for like narrative no. and story than I am. It, well, you're looking for the same things you just don't demand it of the story. You're looking to be immersed in the visuals. I'm looking in the to be experience. I'm looking to be immersed in the story. And it's as if if the visual equivalent of this is you just showed someone's mouth the whole time. And you'd be like that's not What's the rest of the picture, right? And it's like, that's what's happening in the story when stories do this. They're asking you to do all the storytelling for them. And to me, while sometimes that can be okay, in a movie that's supposed to be immersive, where I'm supposed to feel like I'm connected to this film and what people are going through, it's not okay because I'm not immersed. You just told me, you basically just semantically told me that a scene like that is just semantically telling me character X was remorseful. And I'm like, okay, I agree. I'm not confused. I know what happened to this character, but I don't feel anything. See, that that's so weird because for me, the the performance and the intensity of that moment is is very effective. Like I am feeling it. I am I'm completely understanding. To me that is communicating something so difficult to communicate, right? Like a feeling. I feel like that scene is actually really effective. 
at at showing the internal crisis that this guy is having. I mean, his performance is like super intense, right? I mean, he's he's having a full blown like panic attack. He's freaking out. And to me, that is probably the most effective way of communicating this concept. You've done something horrible and you now regret it. That performance is like the way you communicate that, right? But you don't know why and you don't know how and you don't really care because you're not connected to that character, right? But I mean, I, to me, I think it's like I'm, connect, obs- I'm connected to him because I observe his humanity and I, I, I feel that with him. I mean, again, if that's the case, then stories just don't need middles. Like, why do we even have them? Why do we have middles of stories if all we need to do is tell you the ending and you fill in the rest? Right? I mean, I guess this is just a small moment of a small with a small character. It's not it's not like it's not a big part of some overall plot or story. It's one of the small sort of intimate moments we get with these characters. That's all. It's just it's just No, but it, it, there's ways to do this well and ways to not do this well right in this movie we do have it done well in a couple other places for example although i didn't really care much for it the interplay between sean penn and jim caviezel 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 i think is done correctly we see them at different points in their relationship having discussions we see where each character is at and when sean penn is Kneeling over the grave that they hastily construct for Jim, he says, where's your spark now? And you know exactly what that, like, it totally connects. But I mean, I think. Right? I, Hold on. No, no huge dramatic performance. No, like, hold on him or anything. It's just like a little bit. And you're like, I totally understand what he means by that, where his character's at what this death meant to him, right? And I didn't care that much about their subplot, so I can't say that it's like the greatest thing ever, but it's there. It's in the film. If you had instead just had none of that happened, and the only thing that happens is in the movie randomly, Sean Penn is kneeling over the grave and says, where's your spark now? That's it. It would have been way worse. And that's what happens with the guy with the teeth. It's as if you removed all of the conversations between Sean Penn and Jim Caviezel and still expected you to un- to understand that grave scene in the same way. It doesn't work that way. It's hollow when you only have the ending. I mean, I guess to me, it's like those are two. It's hard to compare those moments because one is like a big part. Of, it's like a major through line of the whole story dealing with one of our like main characters where this is just like a small moment with a side character who we haven't really seen much. So it's like, to me, they're kind of different. It's it's kind of hard to compare. No, it's two. not. It's not. The reason you feel that way is simply because they did the work in the first one and not in the second one. It's a incredibly minor part of this film. Sean Penn and Jim Caviezel talk to each other a mere three times and it occupies all of maybe eight minutes of the of like the runtime of this movie. It feels bigger because they did the actual work of telling a story. In the other one, they just didn't. That's the only difference. I it's mean, not bigger or smaller. I guess to me, it's just it's to me it was a it was an effective moment at communicating like just a small sort of like piece of war. 
Like, here's like a, it's almost like a little bit like of a vignette or something. Like, here's, here's like one experience that a person might have. And like that kind of thing is just spattered throughout because it's like, if we're to have an accurate sort of representation of, of war, right, we're going to need to see men having these moments. And you don't necessarily need to see the entire thing to like understand what's going on and have empathy for them, right? Um, Because you can't spend that amount of time on every character if you want it to feel sufficiently sort of like big and epic you need to have a lot of guys and over the course of a two and a half hour movie you can't give all of them full attention right but you can give them you can give them moments but that's your your job again when you're writing this is to determine which things need support and which things don't right I guess I just feel like that scene is not a great example because for me at least it 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 worked. It was emotionally effective because the performance was so intense. And it was clear the, the it was a small sort of experience, right? It was like we're just talking about this one sort of experience, right? This mm-hmm. experience of regretting a behavior, yeah. regretting something you did in in the heat of the intensity of the battle that seemed kind of okay at the time but then when reflecting on it, seemed kind of fucked up. And so for me, as just a small sort of, like, representation of that little experience, right, that experience that an individual might have, I think it was effective at communicating that. I guess we're just going to disagree. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we, we, I, I'm, like, I think it's easier for me to, like, emotionally connect with characters with a lot less than it is for you. Like, the act of seeing someone in in so much emotional pain and distress like that guy was effective for me on its own because that triggers inside me, like, a reaction, right? right. To me, it's just like reading a news story. See, it's, yeah, like, I... it's, reading in, like a, it's like reading a newspaper where it's just like a man, you know, area man was upset because he had pulled teeth out of a Japanese soldier's mouth and then later regretted it. That's all that scene feels wow. like to me. No yeah, connection to the character at so all. So I feel like right? that... it just feels it feels like opening up the pages of the New York Times or something and just reading a story that's about so somebody. Weird. I feel no connection you to the character might, at all. You might be a sociopath. Maybe you might be a sociopath. That I'm empathetic. That you're like feeling this for people for, for whom you've been given very scant information. Yeah, I mean, I, that's to think is a fairly natural human thing. Maybe it's not to to. To feel, to see someone in, in suffering or in pain visually, not reading about it in a newspaper, seeing it before you and not having an emotional reaction. Well, so you're seems, not seeing it before you. It's on a television. But it's it, it's tricking your brain, right? I mean, it's not the same as reading it in a newspaper. You're watching, you're watching a human being having an emotional experience. For me, that triggers empathy. I mean, if that's really true, what you're arguing, then it would be impossible for you to, to ever not enjoy the end of movies, right? I mean, you should love them all because they all have... But we're not talking... This is just a small moment with a character. It's not like... It's not a big, important thing. It's a small moment with a character that's communicating... But I'm just saying... Every scene is important. it's, It's trying to communicate one thing and it communicates that effectively. It's not it, that it, to me. That's like it. It was doing a thing, and it succeeded at doing the thing. It's that's a simple. You know, it's it's a small scene. It's a small moment, but 
for what it's trying to do and say, it's effective in my mind. Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I think we should move on from this. I mean, are we are we kind of done? I think we are. I don't know if there's anything in particular you want to say about the broad. I mean, I would add one thing. Okay. Which is that uh, it's unsurprising, but I kind of thought that Sean Penn sort of, sort of stole the show in this movie for hmm. me because he didn't really have a lot to do in this movie. Um, but I just felt the most sort of complexity from his character. And I'm pretty sure the only reason for that is just he's very good at that. Um, when he charismatic. Says, when he says stuff, it feels like there's more to it than what there really is. He just gets a lot of like extra crap in there. And I feel like a lot of the other actors were doing a fine job, but they didn't have that, whatever that extra bit is, where it's like you stop and take the thing, take like f- feels a little bit more impactful, right, when they say it. And so uh, I, I did want to point out that I enjoyed his performance in this uh, more so than everyone else's. I didn't think there were any really bad performances except maybe it, John Travolta. Didn't love John Travolta as an admiral or whatever he was. He's only in it for like five minutes or he something. He just didn't feel very believable as an admiral. I mean, I think John Travolta just kind of is just kind of a cute fellow. Like he doesn't, he comes across as kind of inherently not commanding. I don't think he has that kind of persona. Um, so that was a little challenging, but you know, like you said, he's in it for all of one minute, so it doesn't really affect the film. Nick Nolte, totally fine. He's very intense. I feel like even this John is a- Cusack was fine, even though it felt a little bit strange. But he was paying someone very quiet, so it kind of worked. I didn't feel like anyone else was really like creating a problem. I think, but Sean a- Penn was standing out to me. He was like, "That was really great." He didn't have much to do, but he really kind of nailed it. So, for me, the strongest thing, the thing I like the most about this movie is. The patience and the the quietness and mm-hmm. the um, the focus on beautiful natural imagery contrasted with the hor- horrific battle scenes mm-hmm. and I I think that was such a um, I li- I, I like the perspective and I liked the commitment to like this is what how we're gonna kind of frame a war movie for me that worked really well and made it very satisfying. Um. Yeah, I would say I don't really have any positive things to say about the movie. I just didn't like it. Um, I agree that's maybe an interesting idea. I think it's an idea I don't care about is one problem. So I'm not inherently interested in the contrast between war and nature. Maybe I am, but I just haven't seen the movie that does it in a way that I enjoy. This movie, I saw that, meaning when I was watching the movie, I noticed that. But I don't think it was interesting. I was just like, all right, there's a shot of an owl. Great. Next shot. Hmm. Uh, It didn't have any profound impact to me. It was just a thing that was happening in the film. What I would say is I don't know if that would have been true if they'd taken out the voiceover. It could be that if this movie had let me think my own thoughts instead of trying to make me think the thoughts that it was thinking, that I would have had a more, like a deeper sort of reaction to it that might have made me like the movie more or appreciate those parts more that I couldn't say every time that me as an as the audience would have contemplated questions of my own raised by those things in the movie 
they did not give me the mental space to do so because they simply broadcast the thoughts that they wanted me to have into my face. You know, I just I don't listen to the like i'm just like yeah whatever they're saying it's fine oh, damn you see you're I, cheating I, you're cheating see, by not I, paying attention I'm to the not, movie i'm not always a huge like dialogue like i i don't always fully listen to what people are saying in movies well, this <laughs> i think is, i've said this before i've said this before but like you know i watched star wars like a million times as a kid it yeah. wasn't until i was like 20 that i was like i might as well listen to what people are saying <laughs> like i'm not even joking well i think that may be part of i mean separate from differences between you and I and like you know what we like in movies or whatever that may be part of the reason you enjoy this movie yes. more because I while I was watching it I was actively thinking this movie might be a lot better See, if we got rid of voices. There's problem. Don't be actively thinking. Just sit back. <laughs> no, it's the kind of movie you have to sit back and experience. But not if you're not. You also have to not listen. <laughs> like, which is harder. Yeah, no. I just want, no active thinking. Just I want, let it happen. <laughs> I want the muratory cut of this film. Yeah. Where they just get rid of the voiceover. Just let me pick that in the options yeah. menu where it's like no voiceover. There's almost no movies, like maybe Fight Club or something. There's almost no movies where I wouldn't prefer that cut. Yeah. Well. This happened. This happened to a real movie. Really? Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. You're right. It is a movie where I guarantee you, I can't remember. I I have seen. I've never seen the voiceover I have seen the original studio cut, I believe, where they have all the voiceover. I didn't like this movie till I saw the one where there's no voiceover in it. And, you know, if there was a thin red line where they had gotten rid of that, I'd watch it again. I'd be interested to see what happens to me (laughs) if I don't hear annoying thoughts shoved at me while I'm trying to watch a film. So, Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, folks, that was The Thin Red Line. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We'll be back next week with the Tampopo Tampopo, on the other hand, I absolutely love. Yeah, Tampopo is great. Spoiler warning. Casey loves it. It's fantastic. And pretty soon here, we're going to also have to decide on a uh, a theme for February. So be on the lookout for that. We'll post another poll. I usually just randomly select uh, a few of the uh, four or five. I don't remember how many I can list. Maybe five in the poll feature. Uh, Themes that that, that people have mentioned in the uh, movie picking mega thread. And uh, you guys can vote on those. So that should be going up pretty soon as well. That's right. And when, when you, you may have seen in the wider news or press people urging you to get out and vote. What they are referring to is this poll. That's correct. They have been talking exclusively and entirely about you needing to vote in That's this. Right. And, Your and, voice matters, people. And as always, if you have any movie ideas or movie monthly theme ideas, you can go over to the movie picking uh, mega thread there's like a tab for that if you go to the home page of the Substack, there's a section that says movie picking you can click on that and go to the mega thread and uh let us know your suggestions and we'll add it to the list all right folks we'll see you back here next week until then have a good one bye